Church is supposed to be family. And we've talked about I Love My Church. That's the series that we're in. And the last couple of weeks, we talked about my church is biblical and the fact that we stand on the Word of God. It's the most important thing. If, if a church doesn't have the Bible, they're just wasting their time. And so our church is biblical. We also talked about last week, our church is family. And it really is. And, and with family, that means sometimes you get along, sometimes you don't get along, but you work through things because you're family and you love each other and you won't let anybody mess with your family. And so we're thankful that we are a family. And today we're going to talk about my church is missional. Uh, this is one of the, my favorite things. It's one of the main things that I love about this church. And now we need to understand what a missional church is. So I want to define that so you understand what that means. It means it is a church that has a heartbeat for missions and evangelizing the whole world. And I can tell you, Hillcrest absolutely has that heartbeat. We ha- understand it because we, have our, we understand what our calling is. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power if the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. We understand that every one of us is called to be a witness for Jesus Christ. So we know what our calling is. We also know and have a strategy to reach the world. It says that ye may what? Reach them in both Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to other parts of the earth. And we also have a strategy that we implement into doing those things. You know, one of the coolest things was the missional fervor of this church is what drew my family here. It's one of the key components. And when we think about Hillcrest being a missional church, here's some of the things that you need to think about. One, we support missions. In fact, we give over $120,000 to missions from this church. That is local, that is national, that is foreign. We give a lot of money to missions. Why? Because we feel it is the heartbeat of our church. We give things to the Help Center, to the Pregnancy Care Center. We give to Project 14, to Here I Am Ministries. We give money to these organizations because our desire is to see the gospel of Jesus Christ spread all over this world. Not only that, but we are also a sending church. We have some very own missionaries that come out of this church. Miss Barbara Heston uh, from Here I Am Ministries and going to Honduras. And Brother David was leading Project 14. And we have pastors down there in Nicaragua. And it is awesome to see that we are a sending church. But not only are we a sending church, we are a going church. Last year, only due to COVID, we had three mission trips planned. We had a mission trip planned to Mexico, a mission trip planned to Honduras, and a mission trip planned to uh, Nicaragua. And so, uh, 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 Bolivia, I'm sorry, was one of the other ones. So we had mission trips, three of them planned last year, and we were just excited to see what God was going to do. And so it was awesome just to see how every single person can be involved in missions. We are an absolute missional church that has a desire to reach the world. Well, today we're going to talk about two perspectives to a missional church. What makes us a church that has a missions-minded desire? Look with me in Acts chapter 13 is where we're going to begin with the first one. Acts 13 verses 1 through 3. We're going to see that we are a sending church. First off, we are a sending church. Look at me in Acts 13, beginning in verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that is called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menane, which had been brought up with Herodotatriarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work, whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. There's a couple of unique things that we need to think about from these verses of Scripture. In verse 2, it talks about they ministered. It says they, as they ministered 
to the Lord. They were not sitting still. They were working. In other words, we need to realize that we've got a mission. We've got a job. And it means we need to put feet to that job. One of the biggest problems that happens in churches is a church can talk about being missional and yet talk about it, but never do it. They can talk about the importance of reaching the lost, but they don't share the gospel. They can talk about the importance of reaching the world, but they never invite them to church. They can talk about going overseas, but just send their money over there and never go themselves. But the point that he's bringing here across is that they were already ministering. The thing is, is oftentimes people go, I don't know if I can take that step and go all the way on the mission trip. I don't know if I'm ready to go do a foreign mission trip. The truth is, you need to be ministering here at home before you go overseas. Overseas. You need to be working right here because here's the thing. God's not going to send a stagnant Christian. God has not called us to be couch potato Christians. A couch potato Christian is simply somebody that comes into church, sits on a pew, and looks at the pastor and says, I dare you to move me. You're willing to be fed. You're willing to eat the Word of God. You're willing to be taught. But other than that, there's no desire to get up and be obedient to the Word of God. You've got to be a part of it already. These guys were already ministering before God called them to go. The truth is, the more you get involved, guess what? The more God will ask of you. The more God will want you to do. Now, here's the problem. A lot of you are sitting there going, I don't need any more on my plate. Let's just be honest. It's time for us to start cleaning off the plate, giving God the empty plate, and say, God, you fill up and we'll use what's left over. You take the biggest portion, you take whatever you need, and we'll fill up what's left over. It's time we give God what he is due, and we need to be ministering. But not only that, it says, and they fasted. It says, and fasted. In other words, they were seeking God's direction. Now think about that for a moment. Oftentimes people look at fasting and they say, well, that's an Old Testament mindset. And they did fast a lot in the Old Testament. But it is also a New Testament mindset. It is something that is still for today's church. If you've asked God to know his will for your life and you keep drawing a blank and don't get it, have you tried fasting? Have you showed God that you will go without food because his word is more important to you than your food? Have you thought about taking that time to set aside and say, God, I need to hear from you. I need to know what you want me to do. If you're seeking God's direction, I'll tell you, fasting is a great place to start. It says, they ministered to the Lord, they fasted, and the Holy Ghost said unto them, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work. It says, and when they had fasted and prayed, they prayed, they desired to see God succeed in and through them. They desired to see God use them. I'm going to tell you, prayer is the most important thing a church can do. Because I promise you, if you have a powerful prayer life, you will have a powerful evangelism. You will have a powerful Bible preaching church. I tell people all the time, thank you for praying for me. I know that I could do absolutely nothing without God's power, without God's words, without the Holy Spirit falling down upon me. I am just a vessel. I am an empty vessel that has a mouth that wants to be used for the Lord. That's all I am. There is nothing special about me other than I simply want to be used by God. I need the prayers of the people. We need to be a praying church. The more powerful we are, is when we are on our knees. They prayed and they fasted and they ministered. And then it says, and they laid hands on them and they sent them away. You understand that laying hands just means we confirm what God has already called them to do. You realize ordination, that is all it is. 
Ordination, the only thing it is, we ordain deacons, we ordain ministers. All we are simply saying in ordination is, we know God has called you to this ministry and we agree. That's it. There's nothing super spiritual about it. You say, well, what do you mean there's nothing super spiritual about it? Because if God has already called you, man doesn't have to confirm it. God has already confirmed it. God has already ordained it. God is already using them, whether man agrees with it or not. We need to understand that God has a potential reason for using every individual in the church. There's not one of you in here that can't be used by God. Not one of you in here that can't be an effective witness for God. You say, well, brother, do you know my past? You don't know what all I've done. Here's the thing. God can use your past. God can turn your past into a message to reach the future. God can use your mistakes, and he can use it for a message. God can use whatever you've done for his glory and his honor if you'll be used by him. The truth of the matter is we are a sending church In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, the simple message is, go. Go. You realize that most of the ministry of the church should happen outside of the building. I know that is mind-blowing to some people. But I'll be honest with you. If the majority of the ministry is happening within the building, we're a country club, not a church. We are called to go. God is sending us out. He is seeking for people to go out there and make a difference in the community. The problem is for far too long, we have had the field of dreams mentality. We have had this idea that if we build it, they will come. That is not true. Can I tell you something? The community is no more interested in the church because the church stopped being interested in the community. We've got to go. We have been sent. We have been called to make a difference. I love it. Jesus was talking about this in Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 9 verses 37 and 38 he says, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Can I tell you something? Our community is ripe for the gospel. Our community is ripe for the message of Jesus Christ. They are in dire need. I'm here to tell you the way people had an outlook this last week, they need Jesus. I'm here to tell you the way people have been groaning and moaning. Here's the thing. I don't worry about what's going on in D.C. I know who's on the throne who is the king of kings, and I know who's in control. I don't worry about who becomes president. I don't worry about the decisions that they make. I'm going to live for Jesus come what may. If that means I go to jail living for Jesus, then let's go. Let's load up the jails with Jesus, people. Let's go make a difference for the glory of God. We've been sent. The problem is, is the harvest is out there. It's not in here. It's not in here. The harvest is out there. They're not coming inside. It would be funny if all of a sudden you think about this. How many of you have gardens? Anybody have a garden? A few of you have gardens? Are your gardens inside your home? Do you have a greenhouse? No, your gardens are outside. You have to what? Go outside of the house to tend to your garden. The harvest is outside the house of God, and we've got to go tend to God's garden. We've got to go out there because the harvest is plentiful. The problem is if we don't get out there and we don't go and we don't get the people going in that direction, we're going to lose sight of what God has called us to do. And we'll just be a country club, and I don't feel like doing that. 
God himself asked Isaiah, he said, whom shall I send? Isn't that amazing? Even in the Old Testament, God was sending people. Can I tell you something? God is sending you. God is sending you. You say, well, I haven't got a direct call from God. Well, take the wax out of your ears and start listening. He is sending you. The Great Commission is for every single person. We are a sending church. Here's the thing. We have a desire to reach our community. Some of the things that I absolutely love, I love Sunday walk. I'm going to tell you, now we only do it once a month. We may need to pick it up a little bit more. We need to be getting out in our community. We got a lot of new homes that are getting ready to be built. Just off of Level Pike, they just approved about 300 homes out by 109. They just approved a 300 apartment building that's going to be put up right here on the corner beside the church. We got homes being built right across the street from us. Man, I'm telling you, the harvest is plentiful and we have to go. You are being sent. The question is, are you listening. I remember one time at our first church, we were talking about going and doing a mission trip. Now, this was a church. They had been around for about 45 years and had never done a mission trip. And I remember talking to them saying, look, we're going to go. God is calling us. I've got a missionary that we're going to go help. He is in Bethany Beach, Delaware. Now, you'd say, well, that's not that far. It wasn't at that time from North Carolina. We were about five hours away. But if you go into Bethany Beach, Delaware, guess what you'll find? you'll find three churches in the entire city. It's not like the South. Three churches in the entire city. And two of them were Catholic and one was Methodist. That was it. He went up there to start a Baptist church in Delaware. And I remember going up there and I remember telling our people, we're going to go on mission. And an older gentleman in the church, his name was Ken, he was about 70 years old. He goes, preacher, we've already been on a mission trip. I said, well, that's interesting. I've read your entire history. I've talked to everybody in the church. Where have you been on mission? He said, we went down off of Highway 49 and did some work. Highway 49 was just a few miles down the road. And I thought, you don't understand the concept of mission, do you? The concept of mission is actually leaving your home and going and staying somewhere for a while to do ministry in an area that you can't reach and touch unless you go there. We've got to be on mission. And we've got to understand what it means to be sent by God. Here's the thing. There's not one of you in here. If you're a Christian, God hasn't sent you out. The question is, is whether you're being obedient or disobedient. Hillcrest is a sending church. Number two, we're a going church. Look at me in Acts 16. Acts 16, just flip over a few pages, beginning in verse 6. We're going to read verse 6 through 11, or 6 through 10. Now, when they had gone through out Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mycenae, they essayed to go into Bethania, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mycenae, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. And interesting, when you read verses 6 and 7, all of a sudden people go, yep, I've, I've experienced that, and that's why I don't go. Listen to this. He says, now when they had gone through out Phrygia and in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And they were come to Mycenae. They essayed to go into Bethania, but the Spirit suffered them not. 
being turned down should not keep us from storming the gates of hell. These guys were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. God said, nope, this is not where I want you to go. And one of the things we got to understand is that God has other plans sometimes, and we need to follow those plans instead of our own plans. Now think about this. We, we were at a church in Alabama in 2019, and they had this crossover event. It's something that the Southern Baptists do when they go into uh, and have their convention. Just before the convention, they have these crossover events. And they bring all these churches in. And they bring in all these different people. And they go out into their community to reach people with the gospel. So we were part of a crossover event. And we were one of the host churches there around the Birmingham area. And so we had all these churches come in. We had about 150 people go out from about six different churches into four different regions to knock on doors for about four hours. Now, could you imagine some of y'all are looking at me like, four hours knocking on doors. How did you do it? Well, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we were moving in great ways. We saw God move. We'd knock on doors, and guess what? We would have doors closed in our faces. We'd have people that didn't want to talk to No, I don't want to do your survey. No, I don't want to hear from you. I don't want anything from the church. You'd see those signs, no soliciting. We'd still go knock. We'd still go knock on the door. And I'm not trying to say anything. I'm just trying to give you something free. His name's Jesus. And so I'm not soliciting. I'm just telling you about a great gift that God has for you. So I went over and we knocked on these doors and we'd have doors closed. Could you imagine if the first time a door was closed in your face, you just said, well, I'm done. The Lord doesn't want me to do this. And so often that happens. People go, you know what, I'm done. I'm, I'm giving up. I'm, I'm through. I don't need to keep going out there and sharing the gospel because nobody wants to hear it. That's not true. Satan wants you to believe the first few times you go and knock on doors that people don't want to hear. But I promise you, you'll go to that door where you knock on it and somebody say, you know what, I was just praying about this and I was asking God to really speak to me if he's real and you showed up and now tell me what you know. I've had that happen. There have been people that are so ready, they're chomping at the bit to hear about Jesus and give their lives to the Lord. Why? Because the harvest is ripened. It's ready. All we have to do is go. God may shut the door in one place because he's opening the door in another. Don't count closed doors as God's saying you don't need to minister any longer. Here's the truth of the matter. On that day with 150 people out there sharing the gospel, going door to door, some for an hour, some for four hours, we were able to see over 30 people get saved. Over 30 people got saved because people said, you know what, I'm not going to be lazy. I'm not going to stay at home. I'm going to go knock on doors with the rest of the people. We saw God do a mighty, mighty work that day. Guess what? The SBC is coming to Nashville next year. Guess what? Crossover will be coming here next year. Isn't that exciting? And here's the thing. We can go or they'll send people to go for us. But I'd much rather we go. I'd much rather we have such a large group that they look at us and they say, wow, we've never seen a group that big. We've never seen a church ready to go out and share the gospel like that. Why? Because we are a going church. But look at this. Look over in verse 8. He says, and they passing by Messiah came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. God gave him a specific man. Come on over. Can I tell you something? If you've been praying, God has put somebody on your heart. We talked about it at the beginning of the year. Who's your one? 
God put somebody on your heart. God said, this is who I want you to pray for all year long. This is who I want you to reach out to all year long. This is the person I want you to share the gospel with sometime this year. This is the person I want you to invite to church. This is the person I want you to reach out to. This is the one I put on your heart. I want you to reach them, and I'm going to open doors like never before. But have we been doing our part? Have we been praying? Have we been talking to them? Have we been sharing? Have we been ministering to them? A lot of people say, oh, Brother John, man, March hit, and I just forgot all about it. Man, when COVID hit, all I could think about was my job. All I could think about was how I was going to make it. Can I tell you something? We're going to make it. We're going to make it. The question is, are they going to go to hell, or are they going to go to heaven, and are you going to be a part of their journey of getting them to the greatest place on earth? The greatest place in the world. It's just the greatest place ever. You got to think about that. Where or what are you doing at this time? Are you going or have you given up? God has placed somebody on your heart and there's a reason for it. And I love this in verse 10. He says, and after they had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go. There was an immediate response. Can I tell you, I've seen this happen before in church. I was preaching one Sunday, and as I was preaching, I was getting to my third point. And all of a sudden, this young man on the right side of the church stands up, and he goes, Preacher, I believe everything you're saying, but I got to go see about a girl. I paused for a moment. He gathered his stuff. And he walked out. I tried to gather my thoughts back together. I go back and I'm looking at the Bible. I'm on point three. And I think after about a minute I went, let's pray. I was lost. When the guy came back, his name was Chris. He came back that night. And I went to see Chris. And I was like, Chris, just one thing. And he said, hey, I, I'm sorry about this morning. He said, I just, God laid this young lady on my heart. And I had to go tell her about Jesus. I couldn't get on to him at that point, but I did say this. Next time, Chris, just go see her. Don't tell the whole church you got to go see about a girl. It just didn't sound right. But when God calls you, there must be an immediate response. There's no time to waste. There are far too many people who are lost and going to hell, and we've got to be serious about the gospel. We must go. Matthew 28, here's what he says before he tells them to go. He says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. What does that mean? That means he's Lord, he's in charge, and whatever he tells us to do, we do. And then the very first words after that are, go ye Therefore, and make disciples. Go. Why? There had to be an immediate response to what God was going to do. I love it when God spoke to Isaiah and he said, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Was there silence? No. Isaiah goes, Here am I, Lord. Send me. We need more Isaiahs today. We need more people that when they hear the call of God, and here's the truth of the matter, God is calling you if you'll listen. We need more Isaiahs who will say, hear my Lord, send me. 
open that door. Give me an opportunity. Let me share the gospel with people. You may say, well, Brother John, I don't know how to share the gospel. You got a testimony, don't you? How'd you come to Jesus? Why don't you tell them how you came to Jesus? Why don't you tell them how Jesus changed your life? Can you do that? That can make a huge difference in somebody's life. The question is, are you willing to go? You see, here's the truth. I love Hillcrest because we are a missions-minded church. There's so many avenues that you can get involved. Number one, you can be a part of Sunday Walk. Man, you say, well, I just, I don't know if I can go to somebody's home. Can I tell you something? You will never, ever go alone. We will always put someone with you. If you say, I don't know how to talk, we'll put you with Terry Stone. He can talk for both of you. Love you, Terry. We can put you with somebody who is willing to show you how to do it. One of the coolest things when I was teaching faith evangelism, I took two people and I went around and I was the one leading their group. And I, we knocked on doors and I shared the gospel with about six people in that one day. It was amazing. It seemed like every door we knocked on had to share the gospel with them. And I was like, this is awesome. Well, finally, after about door number six, my friend Freddie, he goes, okay, it's my turn. That's what we'll do. When you're ready, you go. We'll step back and let you have at it. But he said, let me go. And he got in there and he started sharing. He got stuck. And I was praying for him. And when he got stuck, I just picked up right where he was at and we kept going on. I was afraid after that happened, that was going to stop his wife, Miss Linda, from doing it. Well, the very next town, she goes, okay, it's my turn. She got on there. She got stuck in the same place. I chimed in. I got to say one sentence. After I said that one sentence, she picked it back up and she went on. And I was just like, all right, I don't have to knock on another door. You guys got this. See, that's the thing. We will never put you out there to where you feel uncomfortable. We'll put you with somebody who will help you learn how to do it. We've got Sunday Walk. Not only do we have Sunday Walk, we've been talking about who's your one. you got that one person. You may say, well, God hasn't put a person on my heart this year. That's okay. Start praying now. He'll put one on there. Pray for that Macedonian call. Pray for that one that God has got lined up for you, that God wants you to share the gospel with. I'm here to tell you, the moment you lead somebody to Jesus, you'll want the next one. It happens so often. We also, here's the thing. You can also, if you say, well, I'm just not there yet. You can invite your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers. You can do what the early disciples did at the beginning. Come and see. Come and see. I may not have the words for you, but come with me and see. An invitation can be as simple as just inviting them to come. We've got mission trips that are planned. We're planning on going overseas and sharing the gospel with people. This is a missions-minded church. We want you to be a missions-minded Christian and get on board with us. You may say, well, I don't know if I can go overseas just yet. Well, then make a shoebox that's going overseas and let's get the gospel out there. We can do something. Here's the thing. God is ready for Christians to stop sitting down and start standing up and start going out with the gospel. It is time we get on fire for God that we recognize that the world needs Jesus and it's got to come through us. We have got to be the ones. Man, I, I hate, I will hate the day when I start seeing rocks being the ones that have to witness for Jesus because we have failed. There is a clear call. We are sending church. We're a going church and here's the thing. I hope you'll get on board with us. Man, I'll tell you, there's nothing more exciting than sharing the gospel. I remember my first time. I went on a mission trip with my church as a youth. I was 18 years old, and I went to Houston, Texas. We were over there, and we were 
feeding the hungry. We had a, a clothes closet. We had gathered up clothing, and we were throwing these clothes on a table. And I remember, I mean, these were like clothes that were kind of torn and tattered. They weren't the best clothes. And people were just jumping on the tables, grabbing the clothes, just grabbing them. We were giving out food to those that were hungry, and we had given out all of our food from this bread pantry that we had. And I remember one lady coming in, and she had nothing, absolutely nothing. And then we went into our storehouse, and we started looking through our cabinets to see what we had left. We had a jar of pickle juice, and we took it out there, and the lady saw it, and she got a big smile on her face, and she took the pickle juice. Man, I was just broken at that point. And then I got to teach one of their little VBS classes with, I think it was fifth and sixth grade girls. And I remember I was sharing the boys and I was sharing the gospel with them. And I just taught the only thing I knew at that time because I was a young Christian. And I taught them about Jesus and his death and his resurrection. And I remember at the end and I said, and if you want to know Jesus Christ, all you got to do is surrender your life to him. Young lady, her name was Dahlia. She bowed her head, and she gave her life to the Lord, and she said, can I get a Bible? When she left out of the gym, I was running laps, and I was Pentecostal. I was, I was running laps in the gym. I was so excited. All I could think to myself is, God, how did you, how did you let me do that? that? That was the greatest feeling in the world. And I remember walking away from that saying, I want to do it again and again and again for the rest of my life. I can't think of anything more I want to do than tell people about Jesus. I promise you, if you share the gospel and somebody gets saved, you will never want to stop doing it, I promise. But you got to be willing to go.